Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money? A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start saving today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. You can support this podcast at Patreon.com slash Partners in Crime Media. This week's Law & Order Marathon winner is Lana Roof of Oathley, Kansas. Lana will get a marathon decal showing she watched 26.2 hours of her favorite crime show. To be next week's winner, sign up at lawandorderpodcast.com. I'm Kevin Flynn with Rebecca Lavoy and Sam Zeff, and these are their stories. You think you know who did it, but you don't know who did it. Law & Order, Law & Order, Law & Order. It's no ordinary police procedure. Welcome to These Are Their Stories, the podcast about network TV's most enduring crime franchise and the real-life cases that inspired their shows. I'm Kevin Flynn. Each podcast will break down an episode from either Criminal Intent, SVU, or Original Recipe. And today we're looking at Special Victims Unit Season 12, Episode 5, Wet. Lindsay Elding was poisoned. By who? The Smurfs? Warner found mushrooms in Lindsay's gut, ran the DNA, and ID'd four species from South America. Joining me to do that is true crime author and host of Crime Writers On and Slate's Mom and Dad Are Fighting podcasts, Rebecca Lavoy. Hello, Rebecca. Hello, Kevin. Just thank you for not using the term hoochie-hoo in your intro. I really appreciate it. We'll get to that. Don't worry about <laughs> I it. I hope so. And rounding out the panel is our special guest from KCUR Radio in Kansas City and the Statehouse Blend podcast, Sam Zeff. Hello, Sam. Uh, hi, guys. And if you want to refer to me as a hoochie, please go ahead. Oh, my goodness. You don't usually get that from public radio <laughs> reporters. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, well, I came back. I came to public radio in a in a, a unusual uh, in an unusual route. So I don't think that uh, you're going to get the uh, you know this is not the Steve Inskeep show. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right, so you, you believe that your reputation will be able to withstand an episode of These Are Their Stories with us. I believe that my reputation doesn't really exist in the world of journalism, so I'm ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> so was Law & Order part of your TV upbringing? Yeah, it sure was. You know, the first two or three seasons, I wouldn't miss an episode. I have to say that, you know, I am, a, a, in, in, as in many things uh, in the media, very much a traditionalist. So I'm a Jerry Orbach guy. Richard Belzer, to me, is always a character on Homicide, Life on the Street. And I haven't watched an episode of any uh, Law & Order in a long time. So when I sat down to watch Wet, I have to say that I was totally uh, surprised, uh, sometimes <laughs> appalled, uh, and sometimes just uh, laughed like a gibbon. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and, I, and I do a podcast about this stupid show. Yeah, and when we get into this episode, it is not a conventional it's insane. SVU episode. Yeah. So, Sam, of all the franchises, which two cops are your favorite detective team? Favorite Law and Order detective team. Uh, it goes back to uh, Jerry Orbach and whoever is with him. It's just <laughs> Jerry Orbach plus one. Yeah. Right. <laughs> His plus one, right. You know, it's it's hard to describe his character other than just sort of the wisecracking, street-smart cop. 
He's not like a Pembleton or a Sipowitz or a uh, even a Gorin, you know? He's almost yeah. like, you know, just a little bit of a blank slate. You see in him what you want to see in him. Right. And I, but I also think that he is, uh, and I covered uh, law enforcement, uh, organized crime in Philadelphia for 17 years. Uh, and so I have to tell you that he, he resonates with me as, a, as one of those big city East Coast cops more than, uh, more than most. And I think that there, you know, part of me, and I was pretty young when I started to, to watch. And so I didn't know about his, he's also a, a song and dance man, right? Yeah. yeah. And I didn't know guy. that till later. And then I fell totally in love with him. <laughs> the, you know, the singing, dancing New York detective yep. who can't love him. <laughs> Do you have a favorite prosecutorial team? Favorite law and order district attorney prosecutorial team. I don't have a favorite prosecutorial team. I mean, Sam, I, as a, again, uh, I like Sam Watterson. I mean, I think that he uh, was the most credible that I've seen on Law and Order. And it really felt to me when I first started watching the show that when you brought those two elements together, right, so now we're going to solve the crime, now we're going to prosecute the crime, uh, that I really felt, uh, I felt it was a complete, uh, a complete meal at the end. Uh, but I think uh, uh, Watterson was great. And, and, I've all, and, and that also could be because I just think he's a terrific actor anyway and enjoy him in whatever I've seen him in. All right, well, let me flip it then. Do you have a least favorite prosecutorial partner to Sam Watterston? Did anyone really I get don't. under your skin? No? No, I don't. I will say, though, that, uh, and I've seen, when I say I haven't seen watched in a while, that's true, but I've seen maybe a dozen episodes. Ice-T just makes me crazy. I, I can't ever put him in that, uh, in that law enforcement <laughs> role. I think he's just kind of an okay actor anyway. Uh, and you know, he comes up for me, pops up in the sort of the most unusual times, like what's he doing? Right. Wow. <laughs> How is it that he fits into this investigation? Right. I mean, you know, it's just like, you know, I would go to a crime scene, uh, and you know, and I'd see ice tea and I think, well, well, you know, some star power to the crime scene. Uh, but I, you know, he makes me, uh, he makes me nutty when I, uh, when I watch it. It's really funny because we watched a little short video that ice tea did, he did an interview with some but when it was Howard Stern or something, and he was talking about going from playing gangsters to playing um, Finn on mm -hmm. SVU, and he said, I just played exactly the same way. <laughs> I'm a guy with a gun trying to get people to do what I want them to do. So yeah, I just played exactly the same way. And you know what? That's exactly what he does. Right. And I have to say that Ice-T uh, as a performer and Ice-T as a, just as a human, I, I like him, right? I've seen him in movies. I think he can be funny. I just think here it just doesn't make a lick of sense to me. Well, he did graduate from Juilliard. <laughs> <laughs> no skin. <laughs> Now let's look at the first half of this episode, SVU Season 12, Episode 5, Wet. Stop saying wet. It's so gross. <laughs> <laughs> a young woman begs her date to seduce her by dancing the cabbage patch, <laughs> then strips down so they can skinny dip in a fountain of one feet of water. <laughs> but instead of spare change, they find the body of a woman drowned in the fountain. That's hard to do in a foot of water. Not if somebody knocks you out or holds you under. You get a time of death? Yeah, corneal clouding puts it around 4 a.m. So I'm guessing that the fountain washed away any evidence yeah on the outside but i got blood and semen in her hoochie hoo I, i'm sorry i sometimes forget that they're people svu is looking for a guy who gets off on cutting locks of women's hair so benson goes undercover as girl on phone with fabulous hair <laughs> and catches jack the snipper by sitting right next to him <laughs> 
although his alibi checks out. The victim is Lindsay Elding, and the DNA in her hoochie-hoo is a partial match for a woman, so now they're looking for that woman's brother. Now, the woman is a mime, and she's not talking. <laughs> I'll let that one rest there. Uh, her brother says, hell yeah, he had sex with the victim, and she really, really, really wanted it. At first, it seems the dog ate his alibi, meaning that Lindsay apparently took out her tampon and oh. his dog ate it. Oh, God. But, so it's, gross. but it just so happens he also runs a website called Sex Prowler, <laughs> and he has a video of the woman looking stoned but definitely DTF. At that moment, Lindsay's husband walks into the squad room and takes a swing at Stabler, and now we've reached just our first commercial break. Oh, no. It's endless. We're endless. eight minutes into this episode. <laughs> and by the way, walking into the squad room and taking a swing at a cop always works. <laughs> There's nothing more that they that, that cops want than when you come in there and start a fight. The fact that he wasn't tased to within an inch of his life is shocking. <laughs> sorry about that. Say a pun intended. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> well, Lindsay is a PR hack for a soda company. They've been throwing money at all sorts of charities to make people forget they're selling sugar water. Tests show Lindsay ate some South American mushrooms, which made her hot and horny. And the night she drowned, she'd been at a fundraiser put on rich old lady Mrs. Brooks and her disappointing granddaughter, Emma. <laughs> Photos show there were mushrooms on Lindsay's salad, and a protester had crashed the affair. But the protester turned out to be Professor Prochik a specialist in South American mushrooms. Benson gets a whiff of what he's cooking, and during the interrogation, she goes all reefer madness and passes out. Okay. Well, that was all in the first half. That was all the first half. That's incredible. So much, so much action in this episode. Can we take a little break so I can have a nap? I'm exhausted. You could. You, could. you just don't want to mess up your hair. Yes. Because uh, that was their first lead, hair snipper known as Sasson. Rebecca, uh, tell me, what do you think of the quality of the deep undercover work done by SVU to find this guy. So they sit her on a park bench where she has a fake phone call with a friend talking very loudly about how wonderful her hair looks, which, by the way, it does. I mean, <laughs> kudos to her. The hair is always good when it comes to Olivia Benson. Well, at least I got my hair done. Yeah, it looks amazing. I went to this new place and it's so shiny and silky. I look like a million dollars. Hey! Ah, nice choice, ah, Ow! That's not my name. Really? And she's sitting right next to the dude they're trying to catch. I mean, do they know who he was? And if they knew that, why didn't they just go pick him up? Like, why did she have to go through this whole charade? It was a really silly scene and a bizarre red herring insofar as that in an episode like this, typically a red herring that earlier would go somewhere later. And this one did not. It was just extra for no reason, and gave Olivia Benson a chance to brag about her hair. So good for her. She yeah. got that chance. Yeah, so basically, Sam, you go to Central Park, you sit at a random bench, <laughs> and the criminals just come to you. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, I have to say that if I had a dollar for every time I covered a story about how you how the uh, perpetrator, uh, or as we used to say in Philadelphia, the doer, uh, <laughs> would just uh, uh, sidle up to you on the uh, park bench and you put the bracelets on them, I'd be a rich man. Mm. Yeah, of course, Stabler's right there. He takes the scissors right out. Like, where did he come from? <laughs> you know, he, he, like, was he hiding in a bush nearby? So when we get back to the squad room, we see there it's HGTV. It's like flip or flop in there. What's yes. going on? Well, what's going on is there may or may not have been some storyline in the episode right before this. I don't remember what episode came right before. Yeah. But our 14-year-old son walked in the room just at that moment and was like, oh, look, 
a chance for them to redecorate the set of this TV show. <laughs> <laughs> Captain, say how long we'd be here? Uh, sit the old precinct trying to clean it up. You hope they condemn it. Oh, yeah, after a flood like that, I don't even want to know where that water's been. Not to mention this place is closer to your house. Yeah, something wrong with that? More space, better life. Well, not too shabby. <laughs> I think this is the SVU turning point where, like, they got all of the widescreen TVs and they can do the right. intense PowerPoint. Well, the one thing I did notice, the big difference was that it went from being, like, a low-ceilinged room to, like, more of an open big space, which to me means, like, they know the show's going to be on for a while, so it needs to, like, put some permanent lighting, like, up high, right? Like, they yeah. can't do a thing where they're resetting you know, every shot, like, on the cheap, like they do. You know, you know, you see the, the first season of a TV show, everything looks very small. Uh-huh. Like, you ever see the pilot for the Cosby show, for instance? It's a completely different house, and it's, like, real tiny. And then you see, like, the real show, and it's, like, a big grand set. Mm-hmm. So that, that's kind of what I think this Yeah, it just took was, 12 years. Yeah. Right? Sam, did you notice that, like, while all these construction workers were stringing uh, lights and moving desks, they already had all of the logos up on the wall, like, all the very special... You know, before the before all the filing cabinets are in there, they have the media room hooked up. <laughs> the PowerPoints have to be ready to go. I have to say that as I was watching it, uh, I thought that they were both shooting the episode and building the set uh, in a way to save uh, in a way to save money <laughs> and time. <laughs> now, Sam, have you ever had to interview a mime? <laughs> I've never tried to uh, interview a mime. In fact, I just—I have to say—I just dislike mimes in general. So, trying to interview one for the uh, for a news story or uh, as a uh, law enforcement officer seems that you're going to resort to a beating pretty quickly. <laughs> now, let's just talk about that mime thing for a second, because her like mime bit is that she's standing outside a store. With full mime makeup, by yeah, the way. It's like yeah. old school miming, right? Yeah. Pulling on a fake rope, an imaginary rope. And inside the store, there's a real rope pulling up a box behind the window. Yeah. And then in order to get them to talk to her, one of the cops takes out an imaginary knife. And, and cuts, cuts the, the fake imaginary rope. rope. But then the box inside the store actually drops. So this is like a two-person mime act? Is that what's it? Like, they never explain that. I, I don't think mimes give away their secrets. They're like magicians. <laughs> I don't either. In fact, I'm thinking that I'm uh, absolutely sure that I think I saw that magic trick uh, on this season's Americans Got Talent. Mm. Oh, wow. <laughs> what goes around comes around. Was it <laughs> pretty com- sure about Was that. the magic trick done by the sister of a douchebag with a sex website? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what do we think of the Kotex defense? Oh, okay. There's been a lot of disgusting shit that's gone down on this show. Really. I mean, you hear stuff, explicit stuff. It's usually like the medical examiner will be like tearing in the vagina, Uh rectal cavity. You hear that stuff all the time. This was maybe the most disgusting piece of dialogue that has ever been written for anyone on this show, where the guy explains that- Look, the sex was consensual, okay? She even took out a tampon before we did it. Okay. Where's the tampon? Killer ate it. My dachshund. I had to take him to the vet. Your dog ate your homework. It's like, why? Why, why, why? It didn't add anything. The tampon didn't come into play in any other part of the investigative case. It was almost like the writer's room were like daring each other to see what they could get away with. Well, that was have... his alibi, is that he had to go to the vet and wait for the dog to cough it up. 
so disgusting and, and and unnecessary. But also, by the way, really good fodder for making a podcast about SVU, which we are right now. So I guess you can't fault it too badly. And of all the dogs they could have chosen, they went with a dachshund, really? <laughs> we, I mean, wiener isn't dog. that a little obvious? <laughs> isn't that a little obvious? But there was so much um, like ludicrous stuff in this episode. It almost felt like a comedy of errors, this whole thing. It, was like, it, it really did feel like a dare. Like the writers were drunk. And it was like, I'm going to do the Cabbage Patch sexy dance. Well, I'm going to top that with the tampon thing. It just, every scene, there'd be something insane. And this was probably the most disgusting, insane thing I've ever seen on the show. I'm just saying that it started off, you know, with the uh, uh, with the ME uh, or the woman from the ME's office talking about what she thought she saw, you know, in her hoochie coup. Yes. Uh, and, and, you know, it's just, you know, cops can be disgusting and inappropriate. But in that situation, I don't believe I've ever been on a crime scene and heard the word hoochie coup. Now, I've heard it from uh, from cops before, but, you know, here's this dead woman. And first of all, you know, she's been in, you know, she's been in who knows how long in this fountain uh, and you couldn't, you know, you wouldn't know boo shit or apple butter about what's in her hoochie coo uh, <laughs> until you got her back to a place where you could actually examine it, right? And so right from the beginning, I thought, are you kidding? Honest to God, I thought you guys sent me a link to some sort of parody website. Yeah, no, it felt that way because the Emmys on the show are like the most earnest characters. And you have like Tamara Tooney and you have, you know, they're always like, it's always very serious as soon as the doctor arrives. And this character, like... And she sometimes forgets their people. You know what it felt like? It felt like one of those. Um, forgets their people. Yeah, you know, like you know, the, all those shows oh, on CBS why? that like I've never seen that I know I know millions of people watch like yeah. uh, Criminal Minds and like what's the, the all these uh, NCIS shows? Yeah, you know, numbers. How a, you know how there's always like like one like wacky goth in yeah. the office. Yeah, like it seemed right. like that dialogue was written for that character who's never existed on this show ever. <laughs> it was just a really really strange. Now, someone slipped Lindsay some toxic mushrooms on her salad. Some? Like eight pounds of toxic mushrooms. Sam, isn't there in, in, <clears throat> in the photo, isn't there an inordinate amount of toxic mushrooms on that one <laughs> salad plate? Uh, I, there was an inordinate am- amount of uh, mushrooms anyway uh, on that salad plate. <laughs> And, you know, to, and to think that she would look down and, you know, look at her salad and she's at a dinner party and say, huh, nobody else has mushrooms. <laughs> uh, or this many. Just, you know, right. And they just gobble them up. Right. Just uh, and no, uh, no funny taste. And and that was the next portion where I thought that you had sent me the wrong link, because then, you know, of all the ways that they were going to ice this woman, it was the toxic South American mushroom. Yep. Right. Which is which, you know, which I think now should probably be uh, uh, another uh, an, another way of dying on uh, on the, you know, instead of Colonel Mustard with the uh, uh, with the candlestick. Clue. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. It's you know, it's a crazy mushroom professor with South American shrooms in the fountain. <laughs> what was so funny the about that? Like, so, so the whole purpose of there being so many mushrooms there was because the way they discovered it was by looking at a photo, right? Yeah. And like whoever it was that was deciding, like that did that setup for that photo, which then we see as, as evidence, you know that some PA was like, I'm not sure if you can see the mushrooms in the photo. Just add more. <laughs> more. Just add more. Keep going, yeah. It was basically more. like all mushrooms might not the purpose of lettuce. The, yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's the fungi equivalent of, you know, I need more cowbell. <laughs> <laughs> of course, if Emma's like responsible for the switcheroo and she's taking photographs, 
Why would you frame up the photo <laughs> to show? To, yeah, to show the the salad. She no, there were other photographers. She too, pointed but. out there were photo- other photographers, and I'm like, this was literally a dining room with like 18 people in it. <laughs> how many photographers did you need for this event? And how come no one went? How come she's got all those mushrooms and I don't? <laughs> Or about some croutons, at least. <laughs> we get to see somebody before they were famous. Before they were famous. Sam, do you recognize the skinny dipping girl? I didn't recognize the skinny dipping girl, but now I'm super excited. Okay. <laughs> Rebecca, do you know? I recognized her. I don't know her name, but we had an argument about it while we were watching the episode. I was like, oh, that's Supergirl. And you're like, nah, it's not. And I'm you're like, right. no, that's definitely Supergirl. Yeah, it's Melissa Benoist. Who was also on Glee, right? Yeah, she was uh, Yard right. Sale Rachel in the later <laughs> Discount seasons. Discount Rachel, yes. Discount Rachel. <laughs> Is the little boy getting angry? Stop it. I mean it. Is the little boy going to teach me a lesson? <laughs> hey, we do have a couple of Hey It's That Guys. Hey, it's that guy. Attorney David Seaver, seventh time in the Law and Order universe, wow. is played by Michael Boatman, mm-hmm. who is best known as Carter Haywood on Spin City. Okay. Your Honor, my client has every reason to remain in Manhattan. His extensive collection of fungi is both precious and irreplaceable. Old Lady Mrs. Brooks is Rosemary Harris, who was Aunt May in Spider-Man. So long as you wear my intaglio necklace, you will mind your manners. It's been in my family for five generations. Oh, I kept calling her Discount Mrs. Cunningham from Happy Days. That's who I thought she was. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> uh, so we got Supergirl, Spider-Man, who else? Oh, yeah, we have Professor Prochek. Can anyone name the actor who plays him? Nope. Sam? No, not at all. That's David Krumholtz. He was Charlie for six seasons on CBS's hit Numbers. Oh, I didn't watch that show. There's not a fern or fir tree. Warthog or wombat, hippo or or human being. Nothing on this planet can survive without water. Well, you can see him now. He's playing <laughs> Harvey Wasserman on The Deuce. Oh, okay. We're watching that show, yeah. Oh, The Deuce. Yeah, I guess they look for somebody who just wants to look a little scraggly. <laughs> I wonder what the casting call was like on that. The casting call is someone who can convincingly be a rube and a brilliant mushroom scientist at the same time. That's like the casting call for that, right? <laughs> well, it's a narrow lane to exist in. It's like those like casting calls I imagine for like Cirque du Soleil shows. We need an acrobat who can shoot a gun who's also a gymnast. <laughs> <laughs> and can swim. <laughs> and a little bit of miming. With it. Yeah, Never perfect. Hurts. Yeah, yeah. Never hurts. Now, this episode will definitely go down as having the greatest non sequitur in the history of police interrogations. Detective, you okay? We saw you on the roof with your gunman. What's going on? I'm not the one who stabbed the captain with the pickle. Uh What is this supposed to show us about how dangerous these mushrooms are? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if they're dangerous, but again, it felt like a dare in the writer's room. Like, what can we get Mariska (laughs) Hargit? Like, maybe she was just like a super bitch that week. (laughs) I don't know. What do you think, Sam? I have to say that when I heard that line, the first thing I wanted to know is, where do you get these mushrooms? Different kind of mushrooms, I think we're talking about, right? She definitely did not get a whiff of the I'm hot and horny mushrooms, <laughs> which would have been, which actually would have made it for an even better interrogation, oh, I think. Oh, yeah, I guess. I guess. But I don't think the writers wanted to go there with her. I, yeah. think, I think they were fucking with her. I really do. Yeah. If everything else was really super serious and heavy, like some SVU episodes were, and then this happened. You might be a little worried. 
You'd be yeah. like, oh no, Benson has to go to the hospital. What's going to happen? Yeah, what has she been exposed to? Is this, this is... going to hurt her chances of becoming a mother someday? <laughs> 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 Which is what every other episode is about with her, right? Yeah, will her baby be born with fungus? <laughs> What's it going to do to her hair? Exactly. As long uh, as that wasn't hurt, we're all fine. Yeah, we're all fine. So, uh, again, just the line, uh, stab the captain with a pickle. I mean, some people would say that's phallic. Yeah. Yes. Some people. <laughs> some people. Yeah. Is that you don't question? have to be Freud to figure this out. <laughs> In Niagara Falls? Seriously. <laughs> a lot of signs pointed to that, Kevin. Come on. It's not exactly subtext. Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney bundle with new movies and series. On Disney Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone in the award-winning film Poor Things. All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money? A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start Start saving saving today. today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Rebecca, I don't think I can take another episode of SVU where somebody gets high and freaks out on mushrooms. (laughs) Yeah, one is definitely too many of those. Yeah, which is why I'm going to turn my attention now to the great content I can get from Audible. Yes, my favorite. Audible content includes an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and much more from leading publishers, broadcasters, entertainers, business information providers, and South American mushroom growers. <laughs> you know, there probably is something from South American mushroom growers in Audible, but you know what I'm really into? Tell me what your latest title is. Right now I'm listening to all of these books by one of my favorite mystery slash police procedural writers, Anne Cleves. Yep. A bunch of her Vera mystery books have just hit Audible like in a big batch, like books that hadn't yet been available in audiobook, and I am devouring them, you know, doing the laundry, out for walks, in my car. Every time I'm listening to something, I'm listening to an Audible book by Ann Cleaves right now. Yeah, and you also get the Great Listen Guarantee, so if you don't like that title, you can swap it for a new one, because remember, this isn't a streaming or a rental service. With Audible, you own the books, and you can access them from anywhere, at any time, on almost any device, even if you want to stab a captain with a pickle. <laughs> so you get a free audiobook with a 30-day trial at audible.com slash law and order. That's Audible.com slash law and order order. for a free audio book with your 30-day trial. Bump, bump. bump. Let's take a look at the second half of this episode. I'm exhausted. Benson wakes up, the effects of the mushrooms having subsided, but the professor seems to be on his own bad trip, ranting about the soda company stealing water in Bolivia. He wants his day in court, 
and he does not want to plead insanity. Well, let's welcome the new Tough as Nails ADA, Mika Vaughn, <laughs> just in from Chicago and ready to kick some ass. Ready to sell her sun-soaked loft? Yeah. Well, when the professor fires his attorney, she finds him, a 10-year-old one, then convinces him to go on vacation instead of going to the arraignment. Professor Prochik agrees to plead to murder, but at his elocution, Stabler hears him misidentify the kinds of mushrooms Lindsay ate. Unavailable to get the judge to stop the sentencing, Stabler fakes his own mushroom freakout, clearing the court and buying them some time. I didn't order that pizza. I don't even like anchovies. Detective! All I want to do is get to the garden of water. That's skin. it. I find you in contempt. Your Honor, Detective Stabler was exposed restrain to this man. toxic mushrooms in the line of duty. He's not encompassed Your Honor, Al and Mike and Tom, we're going to go water skiing at the garden. Call an ambulance. I didn't order that pizza. Your Honor, I'm not even a fan of anchovies. But SVU is going through ADAs like drummers and spinal tap. Cragen has to give Mika Vaughn the news that the district attorney has fired her because we all know that Jack McCoy is too much of a pussy to do it himself. <laughs> Ouch. Jeez. Well, the cops see the professor meet up with the rich granddaughter, Emma. They're in love, and they've learned that old lady Brooks is selling off water rights to the soda company. When confronted by an evidence bag filled with mushrooms, Emma confesses to poisoning Lindsay. But as soon as Stabler turns his back, Emma shoves a handful of shrooms in her mouth. Doctors say Emma will recover, that is, until Grandma Brooks arrives to take back her special family necklace, signaling that she's been disowned. And the professor arrives with flowers for his love, reminding him that Emma was willing to let him go to jail for the crime that she committed. The professor says, well, nobody's perfect. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's start with ADA Mika Vaughn. Let's start with her, shall we? Uh, Mika Vaughn, we hardly knew ye. I kind of thought that this... It was so strange. Her affect was strange. Her character was strange. Why do you guys go through ADA so fast? Yeah, so screw justice. All that matters is your conviction, right? Let's be clear how this works. Oh, okay. You guys are the pots and pans. I'm the chef. The entire thing about her being there was strange. It felt like in those old 1970s sitcoms when they'd introduced a wacky character for the purpose of setting up a spinoff. You know, it's like you all of a sudden have like, you know, Mrs. Mr. Roper, you have some, you know, you have Maude show up or whatever. It's you have somebody show up that then uh-huh. later, like it's their own show. Uh-huh. She was so out of texture with every other lawyer who's ever been on the show. The whole thing was bizarre. Now, Sam, I know you're not a writer on the show, but why bring this character on for one episode if they just needed an ADA to move the plot along? I couldn't figure it out. I mean, in some ways, it felt like an episode of Love Boat, right? Where <laughs> yeah. these people are uh, are churning through. And as I was going through the episode, I kept thinking, well, you know, when are we going to see Melania Trump? Or when are we going to see Kid Rock? Or when are we going to see Colin Kaepernick, right? And this notion that, you know, you move from being a, you know, a prosecutor in Chicago and then you know, like you're moving up markets, right? Like you're an anchor from the the number three market to the number one market. And it just doesn't work that way. No, you you go into private practice, right? You don't like move to become a prosecutor somewhere else. Right. Certainly not in another town, right? I mean, if you want to stay there, you might go to the U.S. attorney's office or something like that. But you certainly wouldn't go to New York just because, I don't know, you got sick of your sun-drenched loft. Which, by the way, I have to say, I went uh, I went on the internet looking for uh, looking for that sale. <laughs> they sure did. She's a motivated. She's a seller. really motivated. Seller. She is a hey, it's that girl. Yeah. Can you identify the actress? It's Paula Patton. Some some people only know her as like 
actress slash wife of Robin Thicke who mm-hmm. got cheated on horribly by him. But no, that's Paula Patton. She's a real actress. Well, I blurred those lines. <laughs> well, I get it. She's an obnoxious line where she says to the cops, um, this is like, or if this is a restaurant, you guys are the pots and pans and I'm the chef. Yeah. Like she says that to them like in the squad room. Yeah, she's tough. Yeah, that's another, uh, that's not quite as bad as taking a swing at a cop, but pretty bad. Uh, and uh, and again, I would say that she was lucky she got out of there without getting tased. Yeah, yeah, she left behind her copy of How to uh, Win Friends and Influence People. <laughs> but then she gets fired by Cragen. Mika Vaughn, your new ADA. Yeah, well, nice knowing you. Your boss called. He's tied up, asked me to deliver a message. Pack your bags, go back to Chicago. I'm being fired by proxy? What's going on? DA doesn't like dirty tricks. Unless he's the one doing them. I'm sorry. Well, I guess I gotta go take my loft off the market. That was just so weird. Jack Pack McCoy your bags. sends Craig yeah. in to do his dirty work. It was very, very strange. Hey, if you happen to see that ADA, will you tell her she's fired? <laughs> she can pick up her check at the end of the day. <laughs> so Stabler gets his own freakout scene, yeah. which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, it reminded me of his later acting on True Blood, <laughs> where it was basically like, oh, here's a bit of scenery that looks delicious. I'm going to chew on it <laughs> for like a solid two minutes. Okay, who had the better freak out, Benson or Stabler, Sam? Uh, I think uh, Benson had the much better freak out. And as we talk about this episode, I mean, it's clear that this was a this was just a vehicle to see how various actors would interpret being high on uh, on mushrooms. <laughs> They're like workshopping this. Exactly. Is what you're yeah. it, it was like. Do you, remember we had Carvel Wallace on, and he told us that in acting school, like people, they used scenes from uh-huh. Law and Order and SVU uh-huh. because those are the parts you're probably going to get. Yeah. <laughs> and they're tight. It was like that. Yeah. 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 It was like that. Yeah, usually there's not a lot of big words <laughs> you start, until you start describing these different kinds of mushrooms. Right, exactly. Now, I'm going to give you guys a pro tip. If, uh, if you intend to go tell somebody about what the police had just told you, <laughs> waiting until the police leave the property before you make a beeline to that person I think is a good idea. You don't think the giant metal fortune cookie sculpture was a good enough uh, camouflage for Prochek to make his like stealthy escape where he left four seconds after the cops left his yeah. office and gave him all the information? They're going left. I'm going to go right. <laughs> it's a good Prochek. Again, we don't know... If- yeah, we don't know if he was uh, sampling his own uh, his his own laboratory wares. I think we do. I think we do know that. We do. Yeah. Oh, through the whole. Thing. <laughs> so what you're suggesting is he's he's high throughout the entire thing. It just various. Uh, uh, various degrees of being high on mushrooms. Yes, I think I think that's kind of what uh, B.D. Wong was saying throughout the whole thing, and they were doing an interrogation of him, and it's like, watch him do this mental pivot, and I'm like, no. He's just high. <laughs> <laughs> but no one else takes the horny mushrooms. Everybody gets the crazy ones. Everyone gets the bad ones. Yeah. yeah. No one gets the fun ones. The fun ones. <laughs> <laughs> the ones. Now, imagine if they'd taken those uh, hot and horny mushrooms and gave them to everybody at that dinner party. It would have been like an episode of Star Trek. I think it would have ended stuff. up like uh, Eyes Wide Shut. <laughs> It would have been one of those weird orgies with people in tuxedos wearing bird masks. It would have started off like the bar scene from the original Star Wars, but would have ended up, uh, but would have ended up with everybody wearing bird masks, having uh, sex that we can't even uh, begin to fathom. <laughs> yeah, because uh, not to get off on a whole other, you know, movie tangent, but 
the sex in uh, Eyes Wide Shut did not seem sexy at all. It wasn't. Didn't seem fun. It didn't seem fun. Yeah. <laughs> it just you know just it was very like, clinical. That's yeah, a, that's a very clinical orgy. Yeah, <laughs> some guy holding a martini while I'm trying to get it on is like not going to really help no, me, no. even with the bird mask. No, take off your cape, dude. Take off your cape. <laughs> <laughs> now look, you don't have to be a grade A cop. To know that you wouldn't leave a gun on a table uh, on the table with the suspect, right? Uh, so why would you leave a bag of mushrooms in the interrogation room with the uh, with the criminal? Yeah, there is no uh, possible reason for that, uh, except that you're trying to move forward the uh, uh, the plot of uh, you know of the of the uh, of the mushroom. <laughs> uh, you know, it doesn't. I, I saw that, and I thought, you know, why would you leave anything that resembles evidence uh, around? Uh, around anybody really because you know evidence in the in in the world of the uh, in, in police world is something that you have to be very careful with uh, you just don't pass it along from one person to another right there's a chain of custody they would call it uh, and so to just leave anything laying around is insane uh, unless of course you're you know uh, you had just a, like a little nibble of it <laughs> so I have a more important question yeah why do they have to bring the mushrooms into the room at all to tell to be able to tell her that they know about the mushrooms. To wag him in the face. Can't See, they look just at these say, mushrooms. Um, yeah, we know about the mushrooms. You don't need a prop. You're talking about mushrooms. Everyone knows what a mushroom looks like. We found these <laughs> mushrooms. Eh? I want to know, like, would they arrest people for cocaine if they do the same thing? No. They turn around and it's like, what, what evidence, officer? <laughs> That's the whole point, is that, like, no one walks into your room and says, your brother told me you did it. Look, here's a picture of your brother. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got me. Sometimes words are enough, guys. <laughs> <laughs> now, how about this final hospital scene where we think, you know, Emma's trying to kill herself. I mean, you, you know, you think when you see her, like, take the mushrooms and pass out, like, that's going to be that's it. probably the end of her. And again, she apparently these were the hot and horny mushrooms that they or found, something. you know, yeah. that they these are the mushrooms you gave Lindsay. She took a whole mouthful of that and she passes out. Yeah. Again, I'm terribly disappointed on the mushroom accuracy here. Uh, the, <laughs> the continuity, yeah, is really off. But uh, she wakes up, and of course, here comes uh, old lady Brooks. Mm -hmm. And uh, no loving reunion. She disses her. But, Graham, you are not my grandchild. I came only for my intaglio. I'm sorry. You will inherit nothing. You think that's what I wanted? Your money? I don't frankly care. I just wanted a mom. Yes, well, she died. Yeah, it's a little bit like the plot of Titanic, right? Like, <laughs> the necklace means everything. Because a couple of times in the episode, the necklace came up and it was like, you only get to wear that because I've deemed you good enough to. Can't you just be like, it's all right, Grandma. You can still love me, but you can have your damn necklace back, right? Like, it was a very, very symbolic in a dumb way. It was a dumb way of showing how petty rich people can be. It, it, it didn't really work. <laughs> like, many of the things in this episode didn't really work to me yeah. anyway. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she was a horrible old woman. Uh, She's a bitch. And I kept, yeah. <laughs> I know you can't use that word, but usually, because you know you're a man, and I'll smack you down for being misogynistic. But you can say it. She's a bitch. And you know, it was a. Uh, and by the end, I was uh, I was lamenting that uh, she wasn't the one who was found in the fountain. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to see her have the horny mushrooms. That would have been fun. Oh my god. Well, old, well, old people can be sexy. Well, we know what the dog would not be eating in ew, that ew, case. Ew, 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 ew. 
and and then the professor comes in with a bunch of wildflowers. Did anyone else think like, well, with his track record of mushroom vapors, <laughs> these flowers are probably going to do something horrible too? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It was very sweet though that he was willing to look beyond the fact that she almost framed him up for murder. <laughs> Just so he could get it on with someone who doesn't even have any money anymore. Good for him. Good for him. It was very sweet. It is well, nobody's perfect. <laughs> well, he's the bigger man for it. Yes, he's the big exactly. Exactly. Well, let's take a look at the real life story that inspired this episode. It's time for Ripped from the Headlines. I can't wait. You think you know who did you it. You think you know who did it. But you don't know who did it. You don't know who did it. This episode takes some cues from the controversy about the health effects of soda on young people and the failed attempt by New York politicians to levy a tax on sugary drinks. <laughs> but let's be honest, the inspiration for the script appears to be a raging fever dream by one of the show's writers. I mean, seriously, <laughs> we all know this episode was written just so Benson can say, I'm not the one who stabbed the captain with a pickle. A fucking pickle. That's even more daft than Finn's line about the Hamburglar. Someone said, hey, if I wrote this line about stabbing someone with a pickle, will anyone notice? Well, apparently nobody did. Everyone in the room said, brilliant, we love it. Memes of this will probably live on the internet forever. Oh. We're so glad you had that fever dream. <laughs> it's of importance to note that after this season, Christopher Maloney left the show. And although Mariska Hartigay was nominated for an Emmy Award, she's not been nominated since. Mm. Who's been stabbed with a pickle now? <laughs> wow, that was different and awesome. Nice job, Cy. Uh, Sam, you're from the land of non-fructose corn syrup. Uh, what is the take on the issue of soda in farm country? Uh, we are very pro-soda uh, out here <laughs> in the uh, out here in the Midwest. Although I've been following, I've been following the you know in, in Philadelphia where they have the soda tax. Uh, and uh, there's been much consternation about it. Uh, so uh, I'm guessing that uh, they're going to find uh, a woman uh, raped and killed uh, in one of the many fountains along the Benjamin Franklin <laughs> Boulevard any time now. Because of the soda tank. A can of Pepsi yes. right yeah. next door. Here's what's funny about this whole plot of this episode, right? I remember this soda thing in New York That's really well. That's not what's well, funny about this plot. But, but I yeah. do remember that it was Bloomberg, right, mm -hmm. who yep. like wanted to make it to that like 7-Eleven could no longer sell big gulps or whatever. Yeah, it was a certain size, yeah. And people lost their minds over it in a way that was really unexpected considering how New York really is the capital of like skinny ice cream and skinny margaritas and so forth. But it really became about like, I'll just buy two then because I wanted, and it was, and it was it funny in the same way that it was, it just wasn't done well. And this was at the same time or roughly the same time, I remember, that like Michelle Obama was trying to like make school lunches healthier, which is you can say is the same issue, right? Like mm -hmm. let's not peddle crap to vulnerable people and make it cheaper than healthy crap. That's really what this is about. This episode then goes into Bolivian water rights, <laughs> which I'm not saying isn't also a part of this debate, maybe, like somewhere in the big picture, right? Yeah, the oppression of people for their water rights. Okay, maybe that's a separate issue. But the entire thing just seems so absurd and has not aged well, considering all the other crap happening in the world right now. I have to say, like, I think this episode was almost written, like, you know, about New Yorkers for New Yorkers in a way that maybe felt very intense at the time. And looking at it now, it just feels like, 
<laughs> it is adorable that you guys used to care about this. You know, just goofy. Yeah, just it's goofy. like adorable. There was a moment where Munch sitting in the squad room. Uh, I think he's in, and he's in his uh, uniform, and somehow has some unexpected knowledge about uh, South American mushrooms. <laughs> where he, they mention this, and he goes, "Oh yeah, that uh, yeah, those are South uh, from South America." Like, uh, and where would he acquire this knowledge? And the whole thing seemed way out of the bounds of uh, reality, and made even more so by the fact that he's sitting there in his damn uniform, <laughs> <laughs> which he never does. Which is disconcerting. Let's face it; we've, we've seen him in his black silk pajamas more often than we've seen him in his uniform. That's true. Right. Now, if you believe soda's bad. For kids, is that the responsibility of parents or the government? Oh, that's a stupid question. Not a stupid question. It's a fair question. No, it's a fair question. I do think that the issue around soda has a lot to do with just the cost of food, with the availability of food, with the availability of you know being able to sell horrible, cheap, bad for you products to vulnerable people who live in food deserts. It's a whole system that's in place. It's not one person's fault or another person's fault. I myself like a little can of high fructose Coke once in a while, but I also have other choices where I buy food in a way that some parts of the country don't. So it's more complicated than you're making it. Well, you're one of those East Coast liberals. Let's go to the heartland <laughs> in Kansas City. Sam, you might have to report on this, so I don't, I'm not going to ask you to necessarily state your view, but is this part of how the argument gets framed? Is this is, uh, the parents' fault? It's the government's fault? It's the kids' fault? Yeah, you know, I have done stories about this, and I think that uh, uh, it's a little bit of both, right? I think there's parent responsibility, and there's clearly government responsibility. You know, this notion that uh, that there were uh, unlimited numbers of soda machines in high schools and junior high schools and middle schools uh, was ridiculous, right? Do you, these are uh, those are really bad choices that uh, that these kids uh, make in a contained atmosphere. Even if they wanted something else, they couldn't have it because they just had Coke or Pepsi or whoever was giving the school district more money to put their machines in the uh, to put their machines in the schools. So while there's clearly parental responsibility, which is easier, you know, for people who don't live in a food desert, there's also governmental responsibility as well. And so I think that if, you know, what if, if the government has to step in and keep the diabetes rate from going through the roof, uh, I don't have a problem with that because then in the long run, we all pay for that through more taxes for Medicare or Medicaid uh, or uh, uh, emergency room visits for people who are, uh, who are, uh, uh, uninsured. So I think the government does uh, does play a role in this, and sometimes they have to keep us from doing dumbass things. Like taking South American mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. That was, you know, when my son went off to college, I said, son, stay away from the South American mushrooms. That's right, yeah, yeah. Right. Do whatever else you want. Don't do that. Asian's <laughs> fine, but not the South American <laughs> That's going to do it for us. We want to say thank you to our guest, Sam Zeff. Sam, where can our listeners follow you online? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Sam Zeff. Uh, you can uh, listen to my uh, history podcast called Archiver. Uh, you can get to that uh, on the iTunes. And uh, I had a uh, super duper time, and I loved dipping back into into Law & Order. Well, we loved having you. Rebecca Lavoie, how can our listeners follow you? Uh, they can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Reb Lavoie. And of course, 
all of our listeners should be listening to our other podcast, the Mothership Podcast of this little studio, mm-hmm. Crime Writers On, and also following us on Twitter at Crime Writers On. And if you would like to follow the little dog that wandered into the studio because he was scratching <laughs> at the door, Bridie Flynn has her own Facebook page. <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at Kevin P. Flynn. You can also tweet to us at Law and Order Pod or follow us on Instagram at These Are Their Stories Podcast. Our newsreader was the great Cy Freighter. Our theme music was composed and performed by Uncanny Valleys. Line editing by Henry Lavoie. Content assistance from Travis Roy. Lily Flynn handles our promotions. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps others discover this program just like you did. All clips in this podcast were used in compliance with U.S. Copyrights Act Fair Use Exemption for criticism and commentary. Special thanks to the elite squad of the Law & Order Wiki community for preserving the evidence. If you want to know what episodes we're talking about in our upcoming shows, go to lawandorderpodcast.com. Sign up for our newsletter for a chance to be our next Law & Order Marathon winner. These Are Their Stories was recorded in Square Egg Studio with a dog and is a production of Partners in Crime Media. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire.